Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Thursday, November 2nd episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there, over 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topic areas. All approach from a biblical worldview. Uh, definitely trustworthy listening over there. My brothers and sisters in Christ doing great work. So I would encourage you to go on over there. I will guarantee you, you're going to find something to listen to. And there's a very good chance you're going to find more to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. All right. Well, we're going to be doing our Bible study reading, or our Bible reading this morning. And then we're going to be continuing on in our Bible study of John chapter 14. We will, for the evening segment, we'll be wrapping up this section about supernatural peace for, for John 14 chapter, or verse 27. Um, we'll be dealing with the very last portion of that verse. And then, God willing, tomorrow evening, we'll be taking up by a next, a, ne a next group of text. So, why don't we go ahead and get into this? We're going to go ahead and open up with the fifth day morning prayer. It's called The Giver. Let's pray. Creator, upholder, and proprietor of all things, we cannot escape from thy presence and control, nor do we desire to do so. Our privilege is to be under the agency of thy omnipotence, righteousness, wisdom, patience, mercy, and grace. For thou art love with more than parental affection. We admire thy goodness, stand in awe of thy power, abase ourselves before thy purity. It is the discovery of thy goodness alone that can banish our fear, allure us into thy presence, help us to bewail and confess our sins. We review our past guilt and are conscious of present unworthiness. We bless thee that thy steadfast love and attributes are essential to our happiness and hope. Thou hast witnessed to us thy grace and mercy in the bounties of nature, in the fullness of thy providence, in the revelations of scripture, in the gift of thy Son, in the proclamation of the gospel. Make us willing to be saved in thy own way, perceiving nothing in ourselves but all in Jesus. Help us not only to receive him, but to walk in him, depend upon him, commune with him, Follow him as dear children, imperfect but still pressing forward, not complaining of labor but valuing rest, not murmuring under trials but thankful for our state. And by so doing, let us silence the ignorance of foolish men. Amen. All right. And our morning devotion. Um, let's see. Our morning devotion is from the... Uh, from Spurgeon's, I'm sorry, wow, I'm really struggling this, this morning, from uh, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening uh, for November 2nd, and the text for it is from Malachi 3.6. I am the Lord, I change not. It is well for us that amidst all the variableness of the life, there is one whom change cannot affect, one whose heart can never alter, and on whose brow mutability can make no furrows. All things else have changed, all things are changing. 
The sun itself grows dim with age. The world is waxing old. The folding of up of the worn-out vesture has commenced. The heavens and earth must soon pass away. They shall perish. perish. They shall wax old as doth a garment. But there is one who only hath immortality, of whose years there is no end, and in whose person there is no change. The delight which the mariner feels, when after having been tossed about for many days, he steps again upon the solid shore, is the satisfaction of a Christian when, amidst all the changes of his of this trouble, troublous life, he rests the foot of his faith upon this truth. I am the Lord, I change not. The stability which the anchor gives the ship when it has at last obtained a hold fast is like that which the Christian's hope affords him when it fixes itself upon this glorious truth. With God is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Whatever his attributes were of old, they are now. His power, his wisdom, his justice, his truth are alike unchanged. He has never, he has ever been the refuge of his people, their stronghold in the day of trouble, and he is their sure helper still. He is unchanged in his love. He has loved his people with an everlasting love. He loves them now as much as ever he did. And when all earthly things shall have melted in the last conf conflagration, his love will still wear the dew of its youth. Precious is the assurance that he changes not. The wheel of providence revolves, but its axle is eternal love. Death and change are busy ever. Man decays and ages more, age and ages move, sorry, but his mercy waneth never. God is wisdom, God is love. All right, well... Sorry, I'm turning my phone down so we don't get inter interrupted by a ring like I've been doing lately. All right, so our reading for today. We are going to be reading in, uh, let's see, Ezekiel 3.16 all the way through Ezekiel 6. So good bit of reading there. Hebrews 4, Psalm 104, verses 24 through 35. So wrapping up that psalm and Proverbs 26, verse 27. So Ezekiel 3, verse 16. Now it happened at the end of seven days that the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, I have given you as a watchman to the house of Israel, so you will hear a word from my mouth, and you shall warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way that he may live, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you have warned the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, or from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Again, when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before him, he will die. Since you have not warned him, he shall die in his sin, and his righteous deeds which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. However, if you, if you have warned the righteous man that the righteousness... I'm sorry, that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin. He shall surely live, because he took warning, and you have delivered yourself. And the hand of Yahweh was on me there, and he said to me, Get up, go out to the plain, and there I will speak to you. So I got up and went out to the plain, and behold, the glory of Yahweh was standing there, like the glory which I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell on my face. The Spirit then entered me and caused me to stand on my feet, and he spoke with me and said to me, Go shut yourself up in your house. Now as for you, son of man, they will put ropes on you and bind you with them, so that you cannot go out among them. Moreover, I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth, so that you will be mute and cannot be a man who reproves them, for they are a rebellious house. 
But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth, and you will say to them, Thus says Lord Yahweh, He who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel 4 Now as for you, son of man, get yourself a brick, set it before you, and inscribe a city on it, Jerusalem. Then set a siege against it, build a siege wall against it, raise up a ramp against it, set up camps against it, and place the place battering rams against it all around. Now as for you, get yourself an iron plate, and set it up as an iron wall between you and the city, and establish your face toward it so that it is, un so that it is under siege, and besiege it. This is a sign to the house of Israel. Now, now as for you, lie down on your left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. You shall bear their iniquity for the number of days that you lie on it. Now I have set a number of days for you corresponding to the years of their iniquity, 390 days. Thus you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And you shall complete these, and you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. I have set it for you for forty days, a day for each year. Then you shall establish your face toward the siege of Jerusalem, with your arm bared, and prophesy against it. Now behold, I will set ropes upon you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have completed the days of your siege. Now as for you, take wheat, barley, beans, lentil, lentils, millet, and spelt. Set them in one vessel and make them into bread for yourself. You shall eat it according to the number of the days that you lie on your side, 390 days. And your food which you eat shall be 20 shekels a day by weight. You shall eat it from time to time. The water you drink shall be the sixth part of a hen by measure. You shall drink it from time to time. You shall eat it as a barley cake, having baked it in their sight over human dung. Then Yahweh said, Thus will the sons of, Mi of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations, where I will banish them. But I said, Ah, Lord Yahweh, behold, I have never been defiled, for from my youth until now I have never eaten what died of itself or was torn by beast, nor has any offensive meat ever entered my mouth. Then he said to me, See, I will set for you cow's dung in place of human dung, over which you will prepare your bread. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, behold, I am going to break the staff of bread in Jerusalem, and they will eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and they will drink water by measure and in desolation, because bread and water will be lacking, and they will be in desolation with one another and rot away in their iniquity. Ezekiel 5 Now as for you, son of man, take a sharp sword, Take and use it as a barber's razor on your head and beard. Then take scales for weighing and divide the hair. One third you shall burn in the fire at the center of the city when the days of the siege are fulfilled. Then you shall take one third and strike it with the sword all around the city. And one third you shall scatter to the wind, and I will unsheath a sword behind them. You shall also take a few in number from them and bind them in the edges of your robes. Take again some of them and throw them into the fire and burn them in the fire, from it a fire will spread to all the house of, Jer of Israel. Thus says Lord Yahweh, This is Jerusalem. I have set her at the center of the nations, with lands all around her. But she has rebelled against my judgments, more wickedly than the nations, and against my statutes more than the lands, which are all around her, for they have rejected my judgments, and have not walked in my statutes. Therefore thus says Lord Yahweh, because you have more turmoil than the nations which are all around you, and have not walked in my statutes, nor done my judgments, nor done the judgments of the nations which are all around you. Therefore thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, I, even I, am against you, and I will execute judgments among you in the sight of the nations. And I will do among 
among you what I have not done, and the like of which I will never do again, because of all your abominations. Therefore fathers will eat their sons among you, and sons will eat their fathers, for I will execute judgments on you, and scatter all your remnants to every wind. So as I live, declares Lord Yahweh, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable idols and with all your abominations, therefore I will also withdraw, and my eye will have no pity, and I will not spare. One third of you will die by the plague or be consumed by the famine among you. One third will fall by the sword around you. And one third I will scatter to every wind, and I will unsheath a sword behind them. Thus my anger will be spent, and I will cause my wrath against them to be at rest, and I will be appeased. Then you will know that I, Yahweh, have spoken in my zeal when I have spent my wrath upon them. Moreover, I will make you a ruin and a reproach among the nations which are all around you in the sight of all who pass by. So it will be a reproach, a reviling, a chastisement, and a desecration to the nations who are all around you when I execute judgments against you in anger, wrath, and wrathful reproofs. I, Yahweh, have spoken. When I send against them the deadly arrows of famine, which were for the... Excuse me which were for the destruction of those whom I will send to destroy you, then I will also intensify the famine upon you and break the staff of bread. Moreover, I will send on you famine and wild beasts, and they will bereave you of children. Plague and bloodshed also will pass through you, and I will bring the sword on you. I, Yahweh, have spoken. Ezekiel 6 And the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face towards the mountains of Israel, of Israel, and prophesy against them, and say, Mountains of Israel, hear the word of Lord Yahweh. Thus says the Lord Yahweh to the mountains, the hills, the ravines, and the valleys, Behold, I myself am going to bring a sword on you, and I will destroy your high places. So your altars will become desolate, and your incense altars will be broken, and I will make your slain fall in front of your idols. I will also put the dead bodies of the sons of Israel in, in front of their idols, and I will scatter your bones all around your altars, and all your places of habitation, cities will become waste, and the high places will be desolate, that your altars may become waste and desolate. Your idols may be broken and cease, your incense altars may be cut in pieces, and your works may be blotted out. The slain will fall among you, and you will know that I am Yahweh. However, I will leave a remnant, but you will have those who escape the sword among the nations when you are scattered among the lands. Then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations to which they will be carried captive, how I have been broken over their adulterous hearts, which turned away from me, and by their eyes which played the harlot after their idols, and they will loathe themselves to their own faces for the evils which they have done for all their abominations. Then they will know that I am Yahweh. I have not said in vain that I would do this calamitous evil against them. Thus says Lord Yahweh, strike your hands together, stamp your foot, and say, Alas, because of all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, which will fall by the sword, by the famine, and by the plague. He who is far off will die by the plague, and he who is near will fall by the sword, and he who remains is besieged, and is besieged will die by the famine. Thus will I spend my wrath on them. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. When their slain are among their idols, all around their altars, on every high hill, on all the tops of the mountains, under every green tree, and under every leafy oak, the places where they offered a soothing aroma to all their idols. So throughout all their habitations I will stretch out my hand against them, and make the land more desolate and desecrated than the wilderness toward Dibla. Thus they will know that I am Yahweh. Hebrews 4 
Therefore let us fear, lest, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have fallen short of it. For indeed, for indeed we have had good news proclaimed to us, just as they also, but the word that was heard did not profit those who were not united with faith among those who heard. For we who have believed enter the, that rest, just as he has said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken somewhere in this way concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all works. And again in this passage, They shall not enter my, enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news proclaimed to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again determined a certain day, today saying through David after so long a time, just as has been said before, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest ha his I'm sorry, for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore let us be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall into the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are uncovered and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we have an account to give. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us take hold of our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, like we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All right. Uh, Psalm 104, verses 24 through 35. How numerous are your, are your works, O Yahweh! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This is the sea, great and broad. There the creeping things are without number, creatures both small and great. There the ships move along, and Leviathan leviathan which you have formed to play in it they all wait for you to give them their food in due season you give to them they gather it up you open your hand they are satisfied with good you hide your face they are dismayed you take away their spirit they breathe they breathe their last and return to their dust you send forth your spirit they are created and you renew the face of the ground let the glory of yahweh endure forever let yahweh be glad in his works he looks at the earth and it trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to Yahweh throughout my life. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Let my musing be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall be glad in Yahweh. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked, wicked be no more. Bless Yahweh, O my soul. Praise Yah. And finally, Proverbs 26, verse 27. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone, it will turn back on him. All right. Well, that is our that is our reading for the day. I thank you for spending this time with me again. I pray that, that spending this time helps to keep you saturated in the word of God. Um, I will continue to indicate that this should not be a replacement for your own reading and studying and meditating. You need to be doing that, and then this can come alongside that. But this should not be replacing it. All right. And again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. 
I would continue to implore you to do all you do for the glory of God, and I hope to see you for the evening segment. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. We're going to close out with one from Valley Vision called Spiritus Sanctus. Let's pray. O Holy Spirit, as the sun is full of light, the ocean full of water, heaven full of glory, so may my heart be full of thee. Vain are all divine purposes of love, and the redemption wrought by Jesus, except thou work within, regenerating by thy power, giving me eyes to see Jesus, showing me the realities of the unseen world. Give me thyself without measure, as an unimpaired fountain, and as inexhaustible riches. I bewail my coldness, poverty, emptiness, imperfect vision, languid service, prayerless prayers, praiseless praises. Suffer me not to grieve or resist thee. Come as power to expel every rebel lust, to reign supreme and keep me thine. Come as teacher, leading me into all truth, filling me with all understanding. Come as love, that I may adore the Father and love him as my all. Come as joy, to dwell in me, move in me, animate me, come as light. Illuminating the scripture, molding me in its laws. Come as sanctifier, body, soul, and spirit wholly thine. Come as helper, with strength to bless and keep, directing my every step. Come as beautifier, bringing order out of confusion, loveliness out of chaos. Magnify to me thy glory by being magnified in me, and make me redolent of thy fragrance. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day, and I hope to see you uh, for the evening segment. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Thursday, November 2nd episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right, we're going to be diving in, diving back into our study of John chapter 14. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up this last part of John chapter 14, verse 27. Again, we I know we've taken four nights to do this, but considering how key this is, to, to our Christian walk, it, it seemed really, really important to go ahead and break this up like this. So uh, let's go ahead and open up in prayer. We're going to go ahead and open up with one from Valley Vision called Blessings. Let's pray. Thou great three one, author of all blessings I enjoy, of all I hope for, thou hast taught me that neither the experience of present evils, nor the remembrances of former sins, nor the remonstrances of friends will or can affect a sinner's heart, except thou vouchsafe to reveal thy grace and quicken the dead in sin by the effectual working of thy spirit's power. Thou hast shown me that the Sorry, thou hast shown me that the sensible effusions of divine love in the soul are superior to and distinct from bodily health, and that oft-times spiritual comforts are at their highest when physical well-being is at its lowest. Thou hast given me the ordinances of song as a means of grace, fit me to bear my part in that music ever new, which elect angels and saints made perfect. Now sing before thy throne and before the Lamb. I bless thee for tempering every distress with joy. Too much of the former might weigh me down. Too much of the latter might puff me up. Thou art wise to give me a taste of both. I love thee for giving me clusters of grapes in the wilderness and drops of heavenly wine that set me longing to have my fill. Apart from thee I quickly die. Bereft of thee I starve. Far from thee I thirst and droop. But thou art all I need. Let me continually grasp the promise. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
All right, in our evening devotion from Spurge's Morning and Evening, the text for it is from Psalm 119, that longest of Psalms, uh, verse 53. Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. My soul feelest thou this holy shuddering at the sins of others? For otherwise thou lackest inward holiness. David's cheeks were wet with rivers of waters because of prevailing unholiness. Jeremiah desired eyes like fountains that he might lament the iniquities of Israel. And Lot was vexed with the conversation of the men of Sodom. Those upon whom the mark was set in Ezekiel's vision were those who sighed and cried for the abominations of, J of Jerusalem. It cannot but grieve gracious souls to see what pains men take to go to hell. They know the evil of sin experimentally, and they are alarmed to see others flying like moss into its blaze. Sin makes the righteous shudder because it violates a holy law, which it is to every man's highest interest to keep. It pulls down the pillars of the commonwealth. Sin in others horrifies a believer because it puts him in mind of the basement, baseness of his own heart. When he sees a transgressor, he cries with the saint mentioned by Bernard. He fell today, and I may fall tomorrow. Sin to a believer is horrible because it crucified the Savior. He sees in every iniquity the nails and spear. How can a saved soul behold that cursed kill, that, that cursed kill Christ sin without abhorrence? Say, my heart, dost thou sensibly join in all this? It is an awful thing to insult God to his face. The good God deserves better treatment. The great God claims it. The just God will have it or repay his adversary to his face. An awkward heart trembles at the audacity of sin and stands alarmed at the contemplation of its punishment. How monstrous a thing is rebellion! How dire, how direful a doom is prepared for the ungodly! My soul, never laugh at sin's fooleries, lest thou come to smile at sin itself. It is thine enemy and thy Lord's enemy. View it with detestation, for so only canst thou evidence the possession of holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. All right. Well, like I said, we're continuing on in our study of uh, John chapter twenty of John chapter fourteen and verse twenty-seven. And I'm going to just go ahead and read the verse, and then we're going to get into this. All right. John fourteen twenty-seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I. Sorry. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. All right. So you know, like we like we've said. Disciples are in a pretty bad, pretty, pretty bad place. We've talked about that ad nauseum for the last couple of weeks. And it's important. We need to know that. And that's why I bring it up again. But I'm not going to go into all the details. But again, disciples are in a pretty ba bad place and their faith is waning. Um, not that they're ever going to turn away. Okay, so don't misunderstand me. But they're struggling because the things they thought were going on are not. They're, they're misled. Um, they're thinking of him as, as an earthly Messiah, though they realize he's the Messiah, but they're thinking of him as an earthly Messiah and he's not. And the things that are happening are making clear that he's not. So they're struggling with it. And so as we've seen throughout John chapter 14, Jesus has tried to comfort them. He's tried to comfort them. And we, we saw that through um, the, the comfort coming from trusting Christ's presence, from trusting Christ's preparation, from trusting Christ's proclamation, from trusting Christ's person, from trusting Christ's power, and from trusting Christ's promise that he made. That's through verse 14. And then we saw the legacy of Jesus that he spoke of 
um, there where the legacy being that he leaves us another advocate. And we talked about that word another. It means another of the same kind. He leaves us the Holy Spirit who is deity just like him, which along with the Holy Spirit comes truly the presence of the Son, the presence of the Father, and the presence of the truth. And we saw that verses 15 through 26. So what we're, and what we're dealing with here, and we've been dealing with for Monday through Wednesday this week, through the last three days of this week, is supernatural peace. And we've seen that nature of this peace. We've seen the nature of the peace. We've seen the source of peace. And we've seen the contrast to peace from the world last evening. So we've seen that through the today. So what we're looking at today is our last little section here. Because again, this verse kind of breaks into four pieces. Is we're looking at the pursuit of peace. So that's verse 27, Mark, uh, John 14, 27, part D. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So while this peace we have speaking speaking of has to do with our relationship with God, with being at peace and not at war with him, and with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit being the source, and it not being of this world, but decidedly different, we still have to appropriate this peace for ourselves. Again, this, this, this isn't something, and I, I, you know, it's, it's really easy to misunderstand this, but to get the idea that, you know, it's like a magic wand going to tap you on the head and poof. I mean, like what, what is it? Those at Cinderella, um, the, the fairy godmother tapped her on the head with the wand and all of a sudden she was dressed in the gown and everything and everything was perfect. That That's not what it's going to be. We have to, we have to appropriate this peace. We can't create it, but we have to take it unto ourselves. And, and again, I spoke of that last night, you know, um, I was already, I had already been saved, had been for over 10 years, but was still dealing with major depression and anxiety and went to a biblical counselor counselor who showed me through the scriptures, how to appropriate that peace, the peace that the triune God had already provided again, it's something you have to go and do. This is part of the works that we were saved for by, by grace through faith that we were saved for is these works. And part of those works are appropriating that peace so that we truly walk in that true Christian peace. Ephesians 5:18, and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit, but be filled with the spirit. Again, it's something you're, you got to be doing. You got to go get filled. Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the spirit. Now, yeah, I'm saying spirit and we've been talking about peace, but where did we say that that peace came from? The father and the son provide it, provide it, but the Holy Spirit is who applies it to you, who brings it to you. So again, we're to be filled with the spirit. If we're truly filled by this with the spirit, if we truly walk by the spirit, then that peace will be with us. But being indwelt by the spirit and appropriating all he brings to us like this peace is how we get that subjective peace. We spoke of that experiential peace. Again, we we're talking about the objective peace is that is that relationship with God, whether we're at war with him or at peace with him. But through that, that then creates the subjective peace, which can be applied to us. But again, while the Holy Spirit brings it to us, we have to, we have to appropriate it. Um, and, and the scriptures are very clear about that. Psalm 34, 14, 
Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. <laughs> that says it right there. Psalm 119 through uh, 165. Those who love your law have much peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Again, even that, those who love your law, if they love your law, they're carrying it out. It's active. They're actively doing it. Those who love your law have much peace. They have that peace because they love his law and they're pursuing that law. So nothing causes them to stumble. They have that peace, like I talked of, that peace that allowed Jesus to be reviled and not revile, to be beaten and, and beaten and whipped. And, and again, the two were different. They, he got beat up on and then he got, and he got whipped and be nailed to the cross and not revile those who were doing it to him. Isaiah 26, 3, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you, the you being God. So he will be kept in perfect peace. And the work of righteousness will be peace and the service of righteousness, quietness, and security forever. So again, the work of righteousness will be peace. That 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 peace is a, is a characteristic of that work of righteousness. Again, that it's active. It's active. It's not, again, it's not just this, this magic wand going tink on the top of your head and peace pours over you. I mean, to, you know, if you're just going to sit there, um, well, I'll get to that. Anyways, second Timothy two twenty two, now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So he's saying that to Timothy, he's telling Timothy to do that, but he's saying to do that in conjunction with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, those who are his, his brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's saying not only should Timothy do that, but those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, those who are, who are Christians should be pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace were to pursue those. Those are being provided by the Holy Spirit but we have to take hold of them. Not so much the faith. I mean, we, we do, when he's speaking of faith here, what he's talking about is being worked out in sanctification. Because again, sanctification is, is, is a, is a not monergistic like our salvation, which is solely God doing the work, but is synergistic. You and I working with the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit empowering us to pursue these things, to pursue this righteousness, to pursue this love, to pursue this peace, to pursue our walk of sanctification, to become more and more like God, to be, to, to strive towards being holy, holy, holy as he is. Second Peter three fourteen. therefore, beloved, since you are looking for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Be diligent to be found by him in peace. For you to be found by him in peace, you've got to pursue that peace. I mean, these verses make clear that we are to be pursuing peace. That we don't just sit there with our finger in our ear digging for wax. But we pursue peace and we do so by pursuing holiness and righteousness in our walk of sanctification. We pursue that peace. Um, anyone that thinks that you come to a saving faith in Christ and magically everything is hunky-dory and you don't have any work to do is misleading themselves. With this peace being provided and all that is left is to appropriate it, appropriate it, it really can be sinful. So, so we've got to appropriate that sin, but what we've got to realize is it really can be sinful to manifest anxiety and worry. I'm not saying don't show concern. 
listen to what Jesus says about this in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34. And these are the verses I mentioned last night that it, uh, were, were some of the key verses as that counselor took me to the scriptures for me to, to help me learn to appropriate that piece. So Matthew 6, 25 through 34. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And which of you by worrying can add a single cubit to his lifespan? Again, it's talking about time there when it says that. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Again, what Jesus is saying here is that we need to be seeking the things of God, God's kingdom, God's crisis, righteousness, Jesus's, uh, Jesus Christ's kingdom and his righteousness. We need to be seeking those things. And in those things, we are seeking peace. We are striving after that peace. We, we are, and, and we're striving out after it in the will of God, not as, not as our world tells us we should. We, we, we strive after that. And that brings us that peace. And within that peace, these other things will come. I'm not saying God's going to magically turn around and drop a freezer full of food in your, in your front driveway or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you, if you have that peace, if you find that peace, these other things will be worked out. Again, when he's talking about that, for all these things that Gentiles eagerly seek, again, he's not telling you, not to take care of yourself and your family and all that stuff. What he's saying is don't put that above seeking the things of God. We've got to strive for the things of God. And in striving for the things of God, that puts us in the right mindset, the right heart set, the right, the right faith set, so that when we pursue these things appropriately and they will come. And I say that from experience. They will come when you focus on the right things. And again, he's clear, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. As one theologian said about this, God has forgiven the past, provided for the present and guaranteed the future, leaving nothing to legitimately disrupt the believer's peace. So again, if you can come to that point, if you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you do that first above everything else, then nothing else is going to disturb that peace. You are going to manifest that peace. And truly in manifesting that peace, things happen. You'll be able to figure out how, how you're going to be able to eat. You'll be able to figure out how you're going to drink. You'll be able to figure out what clothes you're going to wear, how, how you're going to keep the roof over your head, how you're going to keep the bills paid. You'll be able to figure out how to do it or where you need to go to get the help. And it'll be taken care of. 
and you'll maintain that peace and your family will have that peace. I don't get me wrong. I know for a fact when I was growing up, there were some tough times there. I mean, things, things got tight and I'm talking both parents were working and, and things could get pretty tight. Um, for any number of reasons. And, and, and usually it wasn't that my parents had done anything bad or made bad choices. It was just how things were. But you know, as a kid, I never knew. And you know why? Because my mother and father walked in that Christian peace. They truly did. They truly did. And my mom still does. But my, my dad was just a paragon of that. And I'm, I'm not saying he was perfect by any means. And he, he would definitely be appalled if I ever said that. <laughs> he, he'd, he'd probably smack me upside the head and go, dude, you know better than that. Um, except he wouldn't use the word dude. But he, he would be like, you know better than that. I raised you better than that. And, and, and justifiably so. But they walked in that peace. They had appropriated that peace. Paul wrote of this uh, about applying it in the most difficult of circumstances. You and I got to remember, we got to remember this. If Paul's writing about it, you and I have no excuses. I'm sorry. I've, I've talked about it even in this last week. I mean, he was stoned to death, or at least they thought he was dead. Um, and yet he had, he had the peace to go back into that town and preach. And then he went away and then he came back and preached, even in the face of that. Um, he was beat, I think it was five times. He was beaten 39 lashes. And believe me, 39 lashes. The only reason they didn't do 40 is because 40 would kill you. So five times he took 39 lashes. He was shipwrecked. He'd been beaten more than once. Bones broken, you name it. But even he could apply this peace. Even he spoke of having this peace. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. In every way afflicted, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Verses 17 and 18 of 2 Corinthians 4. For our momentary light affliction is working out for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Again, making very, very clear. That's actually supports what Jesus was saying in, in the verses from the Sermon on the Mount. That we look at the things that are unseen, the things that are spiritual, the things of God. But this is, this is Paul. Again, Paul who has said clearly that he had learned how to live as a Christian in need and in plenty, in sickness and in health. And again, in good times and in bad, and I'm paraphrasing, but it, here at the end of it. But again, Paul was very, very clear about the fact that he, he had learned how to walk in that Christian peace. Despite what was going on around him. And again, I know it's really, really easy to say, and it can be very, very hard to do. And believe me, I say that from experience as well. So please understand, I'm not standing up here on a soapbox trying to preach at all of y'all that, that you need to get it straight and then struggling around myself. Believe me, I, I struggle with it too. But again, if we are truly Christians, we have to manifest this. And here's why. The gospel is the good news. And the good news of it, as I've been saying for the last three evenings, is that it tells us that the war can end between God and us. 
that that objective peace can be achieved. A saving faith in Jesus Christ is all it takes to end that war and put in place a permanent peace treaty. 1 Colossians 1, 9-14 For this reason also, since the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the full knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and multiplying in the full knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joy, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, who rescued us from the authority of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Again, making clear that Jesus Christ, in his death and resurrection, in his perfect work, on behalf of God, to pay the penalty for our sins, places us at peace with God. So through a saving faith in Christ, we are at peace with God, and thus the peace, peace is there for us to appropriate it. It's there. If we are truly saved, it's there. And if we're truly Christians, the Christians we claim to be, we must appropriate that peace and walk in it so that we differ from this world. Again, like I said, this world turns around and tells you, you know, this will bring peace, that will bring peace, this other will bring peace, this other, other will bring peace. And, you know, the, the thing is, we look out, we look at the at sports figures, we look out, out at the people in Hollywood, and we think they have everything that should bring peace. They have all the money, they have all the time, they have all the fame, they have all of that. That should bring them the peace. They, they, they should never have to worry about anything. But how many of them die early due to substance abuse, um, in some cases due to taking their own lives? You name it. Those aren't the answers. Those are the answers of the world, and they're, and they're false. We have to look different than that. And to look different than that, we have to appropriate this peace. And we have to walk in that peace. We have to walk in that peace. And that peace has to manifest. I mean, no kidding. That peace should, should shine out from us like a bright, bright light to this world and make them stop and go, what is going on with those people? What is it? And let's find out, because I want some of that. We must manifest that, so we need to appropriate that this piece. All right, that's going to do it for this evening. I thank you for spending this time with me. I continue to pray uh, that this time together um, helps to increase your biblical knowledge and helps to shape your walk in Christ. So let's go ahead and close out with uh, the fifth day evening prayer. It's called protection. Let's pray. O Lord God, Thou art our preserver, governor, savior, and coming judge. Quieten our souls to call upon Thy name. Detach us from the influence of the flesh and the senses. Impress us with the power of faith. Promote in us spirituality of mind that will render our services acceptable to Thee and delightful and profitable to ourselves. Bring us into that state which attracts Thine eye and prepare us to receive the proofs of Thy love. Show us our danger that we may fly to Thee for refuge. Make us sensible of our sin's disease, that we may value the good physician. Placard to us the cross, that it may slay the enmity of our hearts. Help us to be watchful over our ways, jealous over our tempers, diligent over our hearts. When we droop, revive us. When we loiter, quicken us. When we go astray, restore us. Possess us with more of that faith, which is the principle of all vital godliness. 
May we be rich in faith, be strong in faith, live by faith, walk by faith, experience the joy of faith, do the work of faith, hope through faith, perceiving nothing in ourselves, may we find in the Savior wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful evening, and I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a good night. God bless. Thank you.